Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Munching on History news series. As one of the main philosophies behind this podcast, we believe that the food culture is not only a display of dishes, but also a complex and intertwined history of culture, politics, religions, and business operations. In this episode, we are shaking things up a bit as we delve into a current event as a new addition to our usual discussions about food. To start our discussion today, I'd like to bring up a recent news. As many of you may already know, Japan has recently released wastewater in Fukushima, which has sparked significant global discourse. Justin, as you may recall, we've previously dedicated an episode to the Japanese restaurant Ajisai. And your first-hand experience interviewing as honor surely equips you with valuable insights to shed light on this issue. Thanks for bringing this current event up, Yolanda. I've always been a big fan of the Japanese cuisine, and the previous interview with Steve at Ajisa taught me a lot about the culture and history behind Japanese cuisine too. Seeing all the news in recent days and how the wastewater release quickly turns into a cultural political discourse, rather than focusing solely on its scientific environmental concerns. I think it's worthwhile for us to discuss this issue with our audience today. By following up on this issue with my friends in China, after the Chinese government's ban on Japanese seafood importation, some Japanese sushi bars in China decided to close down in the next few months, or had to use domestic materials instead. Either way, concerns about the contaminated seawater are already impacting the restaurant and the seafood industry. Well, I guess I have a question for you, Yolanda. Have you been to any Japanese restaurant that serves seafood and sashimi recently? I recently visited two Japanese restaurants in Singapore. One was Genki Sushi at Vivo City, which is actually a global chain store with outlets in China as well. It's a conveyor belt sushi and sashimi spot. The second one I tried was Sanrio at Ion Orchard, which is a bit fancier and serves fresh uni. Unlike the case of China, both places had long queues, and it seems like they haven't been affected by recent news or events. That is very interesting. It also seems that there hasn't been much impact in Vancouver or the west coast of North America too. In August, it's always one of the busiest months for seafood restaurants, and definitely the Japanese sashimi bar. From the fancy and more contemporary sushi bars and omakase in downtown Vancouver to the community where I live in with smaller family-run sushi bars, people seem to enjoy the seafood and Japanese beer there. Chili on the patio in the glow of sunset, and the similar situation goes for supermarkets in Vancouver too. Sushi, tempura, and all kinds of seafood dumpery continues to be very popular options in the cooked food section. How about the supermarkets in Singapore? Are there any changes with customer purchasing behaviors? That's a good question. I should mention Donkey Donkey, a Japanese supermarket. I visited both the Jurong East and Orchard branches in Singapore for sure, and they were still bustling with customers eager to get their hands on fresh seafood. I see. Well, it's a very different scenario in China right now compared to Singapore and Vancouver. Some people are extremely worried about the food they eat. No matter where it comes from, or if it's even seafood or not, people are worried that everything will eventually get contaminated. So they started to stock up their fridge with seafood that has not been so-called contaminated,、uh, even the salt too. 
At the same time, you would see the other group of customers who are worried that they won't be able to enjoy the delicacy of Japanese seafood anymore, since the Chinese government bans the importation of Japanese seafood to China. So they waited in long lines in front of Japanese sushi bars in China before the ban comes into force. In our previous discussions and episodes, we explored the influence of food on immigrant cultures. However, with the event of the release of the contaminated water, it shows a scenario where a contemporary event acted as a catalyst, igniting a chain of past cultural and political debates between nations that ultimately reshaped dietary preferences and behaviors. I'm not entirely up to date with the current situation in China since I'm staying in Singapore for university now. But I think it is true to say that many Japanese restaurants in mainland China have begun emphasizing the use of domestic raw materials, and completely after the Chinese government's restriction on Japanese seafood importation, um, suggesting that the Chinese market and governmental response to the wastewater issue may be particularly noteworthy. That's true. I would agree. The Chinese market and government have a huge response after the release of the wastewater, and that is inevitably going to change the future development of the seafood market in China. Even if it means importing seafood from Europe or other parts of the world, people begin to question and doubt the seafood safety or even food safety overall. To a large extent, such overreaction is attributed to the devastating atrocities committed by Japan against China and the Chinese people in history, such as the Nanjing Massacre during World War II, which led to anti-Japanese sentiment in contemporary Chinese society. And this current event became an outlet for many Chinese. Beyond the scope of China and Japan relationship, in fact, from our previous interview with Steve at Ajisa, in the heart of Japan's culinary world, perfectionism is a key concept of Japanese cuisine, where every dish is a work of art meticulously crafted. In particular, people around the world savor Japanese cuisine for its unparalleled freshness and the quality of its raw materials, where each bite is a testament to nature's purest flavors. Yet, in the aftermath of the wastewater release, perceptions are shifting. Concerns about contamination now taint the perception of not only Japanese cuisine but the honesty of other Japanese products and brands, challenging their reputation. And this. Is an example of how food shapes and changes one culture's identity. Yes, I think the biggest reason for people to be passionate about Japanese food and trust the Japanese brands is its freshness and safety. So this reason affair consequently will largely affect the importations of Japanese products, not limited to seafood. Given the situation that it is likely to attack its economy, do you know why the Japanese government made such a decision? Well, I think it is a very complicated issue, and the Japanese government has been finding a solution to the wastewater problem for years. The Japanese government's decision to release the wastewater from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean was primarily driven by the overwhelming need to manage and dispose of the vast quantities of contaminated water that had accumulated since the plant's catastrophic meltdown in the 2011 earthquake. Despite filtration and treatment process, the water still contained trace amounts of tritium, a radioactive isotope of hydrogen, which had been reduced to levels well below the World Health Organization's safety standards. The volume of water 
However, posed a logistical and environmental challenge, amounting to over a million tons, with on-site storage tanks nearing capacity and concerns about potential leakage. The government opted for controlled ocean release as a practical and scientifically supported solution. Experts and international organizations, such as the International Atomic Energy Agency, were consulted to ensure the safety of the process, mitigating the environmental impact as much as possible. The Japanese government and other institutions aim to strike a balance between responsible waste management and the urgent need to prevent further contamination of the Fukushima site. That's definitely some valid reasons to consider. I read some news articles by CNA Singapore. It says that decision is also motivated by the high cost. Almost $150 billion have been invested in addressing the most significant nuclear incident since the Chernobyl disaster of 1986. Despite these efforts, the plant continues to generate 100 cubic meters of wastewater each day, which is a combination of groundwater and seawater used to cool the reactors. Thus, in April 2021, Japan made an announcement outlining its intention to gradually release the treated wastewater that has been accumulating at the plant since the disaster. And yes, South Korea's KBS has shared similar perspectives as the UN report. They've been trusting and reporting on Japan's Ministry of Environment findings, specifically the initial seawater test after the wastewater discharge, which fortunately hasn't shown any signs of tritium's release. I think that's good news to hear. When making such decisions to release the wastewater, making sure that it is a scientific viable option is definitely the priority. However, this issue has grown into a political debate too. Especially on social media. Certainly, there is a notable disparity in social media sentiments between China and South Korea, as reported by SBS News. There has been a noticeable surge in anti-Japan sentiment among Chinese citizens recently. This has even prompted the Japanese embassy in China to issue advisories, urging their nationals not to speak Japanese loudly in public and to be cautious when visiting the Japanese like embassy office. I cross-verified this information and indeed find that the image displayed by SBS in Japanese language is authentic. From my research, the fact that Korean news agencies are reporting on these developments suggests that South Korea is maintaining a more neutral stance on the matter. I'm interested to follow up and see how the situation unfolds in the days ahead. I agree with you. On social media, many Chinese citizens expressed worry about the potential environmental and health risks, citing historical mistrust stemming from the past incidents like the Fukushima nuclear disaster and the 2011 tsunami. In some extreme cases, hatred also spurred from the past Sino-Japanese conflicts dated back to World War II and imperialism. Social media begins to be a tool for China now to influence people's sentiment. Interestingly, while browsing Chinese social media, I came across some videos discussing new emerging and powerful Chinese technologies aimed at addressing nuclear pollution, like energy recycling. Personally, I'm not particularly tech savvy, so I didn't delve deeper into it. 
However, with its strong emotional and political influences, it does strike me as a new form of propaganda designed to convey that under the leader of CCP, China is becoming more and more powerful, especially compared to the current situation in Japan. When you consider this alongside recent news, it's impossible to deny that the Chinese government is making efforts to strike higher level of resentment towards Japan and foster patriotism in China, possibly to bolster the popularity of CCP. That is definitely a concern. Social media is always a double-edged sword. While spreading authentic information more effectively, some false information and sentiments could also go viral and significantly influence people's perceptions and sentiments, leading to further polarizations. Just like the case of the government-controlled Chinese social media. I believe it has indeed had an impact, as. There have been reports of some Chinese resorting to costly international calls to express their frustration directly to the Japanese government by berating its staff. Regarding South Korea, it seems that the government hasn't taken any explicit actions thus far. State-owned news agencies appear to be giving more attention to China-Japan relations rather than placing a strong emphasis on environmental concerns. While I've come across news of some Korean citizens taking radical actions near the Japan Embassy office to express their opposition to the pollution, it's essential to remember that government actions don't really always align perfectly with popular ideas. That is definitely true. Japan's decision to release the nuclear wastewater has caused profound and multifaceted impacts. Besides environmental concerns from a scientific point of view. Japan's decision certainly sparked even more cultural and political concerns, especially in China and Korea, causing another toll to the already fragile East Asian countries' relationships. Not to mention the huge impacts to the seafood market, restaurant industry, and even the food importation and exportation in Asia. Now, to all our listeners, let's wrap up today's episode. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes at Munchyang History, and thank you, everyone.